Hello, and welcome to the Peaceful AF Podcast. I'm Dominique. Hey, everybody. So millennials always get a bad rap, especially from us Gen Xers who think we know everything. Uh, And I decided to have a talk with my cousin Shelby, who I think is a great example of what millennials and our young Gen Zers can be. She is a a strong, independent Black woman. She is uh, a successful journalist. Um, She's the breaking news anchor and social media producer for KOLD in Tucson. And she's my baby cousin, and I love her. But more importantly, she's just an awesome example of why age is not the indicator of maturity or strength or independence. And I'm hoping you'll learn a lot from her like I have. Well, hello, Shelby, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me. How are things in Tucson? You know, things are good. We got the monsoons, but, you know, I'm staying inside and staying safe. I really did not understand that there were monsoons in Tucson. That's a new one for me. I thought... I thought we had the monopoly. <laughs> I thought we had the monopoly on that in Texas, but um, be safe. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned in the intro, the reason I wanted to talk to you this week is because um, I visited you in an, in May, and one of the things that truly struck me was you have come to a level of enlightenment, I'll call it, that I I don't think I got to until I was probably in my late 30s, two kids in. Uh Um, Because I think our generation was so hung up on what we were supposed to do. You're supposed Uh to do college and then you, you work for this long and you date somebody and you get married and you have 2.5 kids and two dogs and blah, blah, blah. And that is what you're quote unquote supposed to do. And you're supposed to go to the church that your parents went to and you're supposed to look a certain way and dress a certain way and act a certain way. And, you know, and I social norms, social norms. And I was so impressed and so proud of you, I am, that you're already like, you know what? I'm going to do what I need to do. <laughs> so um, do you agree that with my hypothesis that your generation, you know, has taken a different stance on on pursuing peace and joy over the pressure of what's expected? Well, thank you for... I guess noticing and pointing it out, and um, and to answer your question, yes, I I do think that um, my generation or um, some of the younger millennials, I do think that we have a different mindset of of how to do this thing called life and adulting. Um, we prioritize um, mental health and happiness over some of the things that I think that our parents and grandparents put first. Um, because I know, I know in my family, like my, my grandfather says it all the time and I love him to death, 
but he he says um you got to get the J. You, you got to take care of the J, and the J is the job. And my constant answer to him is, no, I'm not going to take care of this job. I'm going to take care of you because at the end of the day, the job is going to replace me uh, the day after I'm gone, whereas you, you know, you're going to feel it more than they will. Um, family is irreplaceable. Uh, jobs can easily replace you. And so um, I think that that's, that's, that's one thing that I, we just have different mindsets and different priorities than, than you guys did. Um, but I think that we were able to realize it because we saw the flaws in the system. Um, and I, I truly believe that while a lot of people don't get it, a lot of people are starting to get this new mindset, um, and I really think that that we're the generation that's gonna break some of the generational curses that um, we've passed down through time. Absolutely, and I think that's that's a good place to start because I do think there are there are wonderful blessings that our families have given us. Uh, but I do think there are some definitely some generational curses and there Absolutely. there is a mindset that, uh, you know, one example, like you said, well, girl, you got a good job. You got to hold on to that job. And mm-hmm. and it took me a very long time to realize, no, they're lucky to have me. And <laughs> I know I do get work. Right. And so that mindset of, well, they gave me a good job and I have a decent salary. I should just suck up whatever happens. Um, and, you know, and that goes across so many lines of not paying, not yeah. paying you right, asking you to work ridiculous hours. It, you know, in my generation, treating you any old kind of way, you know, from every, everything from discrimination from sexual harassment from all of those things i just spent two hours doing sexual harassment training for work and i'm like it's 2021 and we still have to tell people you can't make you know lewd comments comments at work or ask people to spend the weekend with you (laughs) when you know when they're on your team um and i'm like you know the reason but but it's so ingrained and i think you know from from my generation, I'd say the 45 plus crowd, it was, man, you're lucky to have that job. You got to just suck it up. And I, I think I have in my kind of mid thirties plus, um, so it took me a little bit longer, but I had to realize, you know what, I'm, I'm good at what I do. And if you can't appreciate it, I guarantee there's somebody else who will. And there is always going to be somebody else that sees your talent, sees your worth, sees your potential. Uh, Even even if that somebody is you, even if you leave a regular nine to five job and go become an entrepreneur, there is always someone that is going to see something more than a previous boss that took advantage of you. Absolutely. And and that's another good thing to point out that I think. So many in your generation and even into the my little Gen Z's I have at home um, are so much less risk averse when it comes to starting their own business, um, doing their own thing. You know, your your cousin Zoe over here got an Etsy store and is doing hair and 
painting and all this stuff. Um, but it's because they're like, okay, well, I have a talent. Other people can appreciate that. And I know so many people in my generation who have fabulous talents. They're either a phenomenal cook, they do art, they are um, an organizer, whatever. But talents that they could, all day long. but they are sitting behind a desk because they are too afraid to take a chance on themselves. And, yep. you know, I, I, I wonder what it is. And I, I wonder if you, you have a thought of why you guys are more likely to take a chance on you. Um, Cause it's not that I'm, you know, that we don't have the, t- I don't think it's that I don't think y'all are more talented. <laughs> I think it's that we're just so risk averse, uh, so many of us that we won't even try. Yeah, I think I think that the older generations were just so conditioned to that this is this you do this step, that step, that this step. Like like you said at the beginning, um, I think they're so conditioned to that. And you have um, that subconscious of your parents in your head um, or your loved ones saying, no, you shouldn't do that because, you know, you're supposed to be doing this. If you do that, you know, you could mess up your 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 money. And if you don't have any money, you can't survive, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas I think as time went on, there were those few in the older generation that did step out and they did go and pursue their own dreams and, and it worked for them. And I think that there was enough of, enough people that were stepping out of the box that by the time our generation came along and social media started coming up, we saw the possibilities um, of what life could be outside of a teacher, uh, a banker, uh, a car salesman, whatever it may be of, of those traditional jobs. And I say that in quotation marks. Um, and we saw the possibilities outside. And so it was like, I, I am just going to risk it all and follow my dreams because we see too many people that are 45 and up that have been with the same company doing the same job or, or hopping around the same company doing different jobs and are completely unhappy. They're Amen. completely unhappy in what they're doing, but they're so afraid to risk it all and do something else that they spend 40 years with the same company wishing they could do something else. And the even sadder part is they spend that sort of time with those companies and one, you know, bad quarter comes along and they let them go. Right. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, in our family, right. You know, so many of us in the last um, year, so many folks have, they were given all they could, but yeah, this was a rough year. And and now they're laid off or they experienced these long layoffs and they they never took the time to invest in themselves. And so I, I do think that it's finally becoming more clear. And I think the pandemic to a certain extent has really opened people's eyes um, to see that one, when they're ready to cut you, they're going to cut you without any regard, right? Um, But two, you know, there are other ways. There are other paths to to make money, to be successful. 
Uh, and it doesn't mean you have to go and work a, a quote unquote nine to five. Um, I actually even read an interesting article yesterday about folks that are taking on two jobs because they're working yeah. remotely and they realize, you know, half the time I was spending was, you know, trying to be in the office and show face and and laugh with coworkers and that kind of thing. But you know, let's say you're a developer or or some sort of technical person, you probably could get that job done in 20 hours. And they realize I can take a whole nother job on and get them both done <laughs> at home yep. and and live just as good a life and, and, and better. So I, I think people are being so much more creative now um, about those things. Do you? And I think people mm -hmm. are also realizing that how much time they weren't spending with their families. Absolutely. Like now they're saying, oh, well, you know, it, it is it is time for us to have that family reunion or or make sure that we're making time to go to dinner with each other and just talk because you get so wrapped up in the day to day life that you realize that you're you don't realize that you're not doing certain things. And until everyone in their mama is stuck at home and it's like, oh, well, you know, I haven't talked to so and so in a while. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I think sadly, too, losing so many people in this last year, you start to really think about what's important. And, you know, is it worth me not seeing my my loved one for years because I was working and now I can't or I never no, got to see that? It. Absolutely. It's not. You know, and there's I, I've seen cases where folks say, you know, they had not visited the, you know, in, in 2018 and 2019 because of work, because of whatever, didn't want to spend the money. And then they lost that person. That Absolutely. So do you ever feel pressure? And I'd say you or and your friend group to um, kind of still kind of conform in terms of, you know, Pressure to get married, pressure to um, stay in a in a traditional career. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny because I actually, um, I explained it to my friend one day because, you know, we were, we were talking and I said, there are, um, there are three kinds of millennials. The first kind is, the, are the ones that, break all the molds. They do whatever they want, whenever they want, and don't care what anybody in their mama says because they are following their path. Then you have the ones that say, no, nah, my parents did it right. They they, they did it right. I'm going to go. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have my 2.5 kids. I'm going to get this 9 to 5. I want to do this job for the rest of my life. And if I'm unhappy, I don't care. I'm making money. And then you have the ones that are in the middle. The ones that say, well, I'm doing this because I'm supposed to do this. But at the same time, there is this passion that I have that I also really want to pursue. I just don't know if I can or I don't know how to. But I'm still going to try to do both. And they teeter-totter on those two sides of I want to break the mold to I don't know if I can break the mold just yet. At least that's what I've seen in my friend groups, in the people that I know. 
Um, and, and it's hard because I myself, I'm the one that go that's in the middle. Um, because there are things that I want to do. Uh, there, there are dreams and aspirations that I have, but I don't necessarily know how to achieve them. But I'm still doing my best to work towards them while also keeping my job and doing what I'm quote-unquote supposed to. Um, you know, I'd love to take time off and, you know, chill out like some of these other kids be doing. <laughs> but at the same time, I have it in my subconscious of, no, Shelby, you can't do that. You don't have the money for that. You don't. You have this bill. You have that bill. And it's the, the risk assessment. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing, um, right? That it's not a bad there's thing. a balance because you also yeah. don't want to be the one who's back living with your mama at 35, right? Correct. So, correct. <laughs> not, no, your mom is great, it's but finding the balance. <laughs> yeah, it's finding the balance, and and depending on where you are in a stage in your stage of life, um, to figure out which one you are, because there, excuse me, there are some people that have used social media to their advantage and they're entrepreneurs at age 18, yep. you know, but I, I'm on that, that millennial train of that was right in between, uh, no technology and technology's coming out. And so for, for, for me and some of the people that are my age, the ones that are hopping on making money, the non-traditional way, are the ones that really took to social media. I was not one of those people, but that's because of how I was raised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, I know, do see more hard, of that. I do feel. With the younger folks. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead, Shelby. What'd you say? Oh, no, I was saying, go ahead. I, I think I cut you off. Oh, yeah, no, I was just saying, I, I do feel all of those pressures and everything. And honestly, I, I have to ask myself, uh, is this the right thing for me? What do you want, Shelby? And sometimes that question is not easy to answer. Um, and sometimes I find myself appeasing both sides, appeasing, you know, the the standard versus what I actually want. Um, but, you know, as, as long as you're, you're being aware of what is the best decision for me in this moment, um, I think that, that you'll be okay. So I, you know, I have three younger ones um, and I'm trying my best to navigate this for them in the sense of trying to make sure that I am giving them the tools to go out and be successful and, and all of those things, but also not make them feel pressured to do things in the way that I would have or live the life that I would have, because I don't know that that's necessarily the right thing for them. So what advice would you have for parents like me and maybe even those with younger kids who want their kids to to do well, but also don't want their kids to feel pressured and trapped into a, a fitting a mold? That's a really hard question. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess you have to, 
obviously teach your your children the lessons that you want them to to learn, um, and you do that through everyday interactions of them talking with you and saying, well, you know, what would you have done if, if she said X, Y, and Z to you? You know, I kicked her in the face. No, no, we wouldn't have. You know, um, but I, I, I think teaching those lessons, but at some point understanding that you have to trust them to make the right decisions both with what you taught them. You teach them those core values um, and trust and believe that you did it and you did it to the best of your abilities and that they, that they grasp everything that you were trying to say. Um, and if they tell you that they want to start a lemonade stand, you start the lemonade stand with them, you know, Absolutely. like those people that, that have those entrepreneurial minds, it didn't just come from nowhere. Absolutely. Um, those people that have those those huge dreams, it didn't come from nowhere. That they have had those dreams since they were children. The the ones that are entrepreneurs wanted the lemonade stand when they was a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it and so it's a matter of did you as a parent see those talents, see those dreams and aspirations, and invest them in them. I I believe that we are going to get better as a society when we start investing in our children and not dampening their childhood fantasies or whatever you want to call them. Absolutely. I think I I, I think there's a couple of different ways I've I've looked at it and you know from a a religious perspective, one of the things that really hit home with me was that these children are not mine in the sense that I was, I am put here to, to guide them, to care for them when they're at the point that they really can't care for themselves. But at the same time, they are their own people that have their own life and their own purpose. And so for me to put on them, oh, you need to go get married or you need to stay in Texas or you need to do this kind of profession because it's a good job. That's, that's not for me. That you want them to have, but that may not be the journey that God wants them to have. Absolutely. And and having, you know, all you know our family, everybody has three or four kids. You mm-hmm. can see very quickly. I see it with you and your sisters, I see it in my kids. Y'all are different people. And mm-hmm. you all are going to have your own way of being. What Noah is going to do um, you know, with his career, is not going to be probably anything close to what Zoe wants to do as a full in, on creative and, you know, whatever she, the thought of sitting at a desk just makes her ill. Um, so I just know that that's probably not for her, but at the same time, like you said, she's been hustling since she was 12, 11. So I also know she'll be fine, right? Regardless of whether she has a quote unquote nine to five job, she's going to be taking care of herself, no problem. Um, right. The other thing I realized too is that a lot of the parents need to control um, is about our own risk aversion, our own, mm. um, you know, wanting them to have what we think is a good life. Uh, right. And I, 
there was a discussion on Facebook about, you know, wanting your, wanting your kids to have kids, like wanting your kids to be married and have children. And I mentioned that, you know, Noah has said he doesn't know if that's for him. Uh And, um, and people were sort of like, well, don't you want him to have, you know, get married and have kids? And I'm like, well, not if he doesn't want to, because the worst parents in the world (laughs) are the ones that don't want kids. Don't want kids. Right. And so Exactly. Because exactly. That's not good for the parent or the child. Neither one of them are going to prosper. Exactly. And and that just may not be his path. Now, also, he said that at 16, uh, mm-hmm. he may very well change his mind at some point. But I don't think I want him to be happy and I want him to be successful in a means that he's a good person and he can take care of himself. But to me, that doesn't necessarily mean that he has to follow a quote unquote traditional path. And um, I, and the same thing is happening with several of my friends now looking at our kids looking to go to college. Uh, several of them are like, well, I don't want him to leave the city or I don't want him to leave the state. And I'm like, that's, all, that's about you. <laughs> there you go. You have that barber in you. <laughs> it's not for you. Yeah. And it's, and you know, I, I know that there's sometimes it's like, well, there's a financial concern or whatever. And I get that. But even then, you know, you know, I, I'm not just to promote debt, but you know, college, you know, college loans got millions of us through. And if my child says, Hey, the place that I'm going to be the happiest and that I'm going to feel, you know, that I can really pursue what I want is in Maine or Oregon or Indiana or Atlanta, um, why would I tell them, but you really need to be in College Station because that's where I went? That just, yeah, it doesn't and make that's sense. When it goes back to what I was saying about trust is you, you have to trust that you have raised them to be an upstanding model citizen uh, and trust that they're making the right decision for them. Like you, you've spent 18 years teaching them and, and helping them to stand on their own and to problem solve and to, to do what's best for them only to get to their senior year and it's time to make a decision and you say, no, I want you to go here because of X, Y, and Z, then what what did you spend the last 18 years of your life doing? It was all for naught. Yeah. Because you don't trust them to use what you gave them to to do what's right for them. Amen. Amen. That's my opinion of it all. I agree. And as you're sitting in Tucson with not a soul in our family there, <laughs> you're doing just fine. <laughs> but you're doing just fine. So I think, again, yeah. that's a perfect example of, I'm sure of all the places on earth that you could have gone, your parents would not have no thought to Tucson. Tucson, Arizona is not it. But but you are more than capable and, and, you know, and this won't be your last stop. I'm very sure. And you'll, it, it's fine. And I think that experience, I moved off when I was your age to Chicago and I've had friends that I've been friends with for 20 plus years. And it was good for me to be somewhere where I didn't have a cousin that I could, you know, throw a rock at and hit, hit a family member 
that I had to figure right. stuff out on my own. When my car broke down, I had to figure it out. When I needed something and, and money was tight, I had to figure it out. And I think that even though it was a year for me um, that I moved you know, off to Chicago, that year changed so much for me. And I would never want to deny my kids that that experience. Right. And it, and it's true. I mean, that I you know, I don't have I'm the oldest in, in my my three siblings or whatever. And so I didn't necessarily have those older siblings to to look to, but I did have older cousins and one of the things that that they told me when I was trying to figure out where to go to college was they told me to leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were like, "You need to get out of Houston." Um, because I'm very family oriented and I would have easily stayed um, around the Houston area, but they they all told me to leave. And when I left for, for college, you know, I went and I still had family in Dallas. And so uh, then, you know, I, I will give the whole resume. But even, even when I moved to Lake Charles, I, I still felt close to family because I was. I'm in mm-hmm. Louisiana. And I, this was the first time at 25 when I moved away and had no one. And as scary as that was, and as as much as I was dreading it to a degree, um, it was it was three months in, and I was like, you know what, this was really hard, but it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be in the terms of when I got here. And then I started to to, to start realizing things about myself and about my family, and I was like, you know what, Shelby. I said to myself, I said, this was really good for you. Like, you are growing in a personal way that you would have never been able to do if you had stayed in Texas and Louisiana. I I saw it firsthand. You have so much time to yourself. And it's like, you really have to, to look inward and know what kind of person you are. You have to know what makes you happy, what, what fills your time. And it gives you time to reflect on the decisions that you've made, the way that you were brought up. You start thinking about so much when you are literally just by yourself. And you learn. At least I did. No, and I see it in you. I mean, that's like I said, when I went to visit you, I feel like you have grown so much. And I was just so impressed um, by, you know, what a confident young woman you are. So Shelby, there's one other thing I wanted to raise with you. And I posted your quote um, a few weeks ago when I first started the podcast. I had planned to do these every Friday. And, you know, life happened. I started a new job. And I was saying I was going to have to cut myself some slack. And I got that from you when you were about 15. Um, You were telling us that, you know, I think something had happened in their semester. I got to ask you how school was going. And you're like, you know, I had some trouble with XYZ class, but, you know, I had to cut myself some slack and I died laughing. But then I I really thought, like, that's so true. So so tell us your philosophy on cutting yourself some slack. And it's funny that you say that because uh, I actually was at work and used that same phrase talking about something. Um, so essentially, you know, I feel like sometimes I feel like we are our hardest critics, um, no matter what kind of parents or, or loved ones you may have, we are our own toughest critics. And, 
you have to realize that when you're starting something new or if you you're life is hard. So you just have to cut yourself some slack when, when doing things because you're not perfect and, and no one expects you to be. And if they do, then there's something wrong with them. Okay. That's just my personal opinion. And so uh, for an example, in the, in the sense of using the, the term, um, I started uh, doing something new myself. And one of the things is doing traffic on television. Now I'm in a new city. I have never uh, been in Tucson before, and while, yes, I've been here nine months, I still don't necessarily know the area like maybe some other people that have been here longer than me. I lived in Houston for 18 years and still don't know the Houston area like (laughs) I probably should. And so when I'm on television and I'm talking about traffic and I'm saying X, Y, and Z road and I mess up, I got to cut myself some slack because I'm talking about something that I don't necessarily, that I'm not necessarily fully knowledgeable, knowledgeable about. And so I cut myself some slack and say, you know what, for what it was, you did a good job and I'm proud of you. That is and so all true. All you're going to do is continue to do better as time goes on. You, you got it. You got to let it go. Exactly. Just like, like when you walk across the camera at 5 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And everybody got a laugh at 5 a.m. It was it was probably good for everybody. (laughs) Well, Shelby, thank you so much for joining me. And I love you. And I am so proud of everything you are doing. I I know that you have great things ahead because you are such a strong. Would you say you're a strong, independent black woman? And um. And you have such great things ahead of you. So thank you so much. And thank you for being a good role model to, to my girls. Thank you. I appreciate that. And know that I love you guys. I don't do anything for you. I got family back always. Absolutely, honey. Always. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. There's a saying that wisdom doesn't necessarily come with age. Sometimes age just comes by itself. And I think uh, Shelby is a great example of that. I have learned from her and I hope all of you do too. So thanks Shelby and find somebody a little bit younger than you who can give you a different perspective. Thanks everybody. Go claim your peace. <laughs>